Let's begin with a word of prayer. Lord Jesus, how great Thou art. How blessed we are that You have revealed Yourself to us. God, that You've come that we might have life and that we might have it abundantly. You've shown us great mercy and grace. And this morning we celebrate not death, but resurrection. But we thank You that You came to die that we might have life and have it abundantly. And it's through Your resurrection, Lord, that victory is ours because it's Yours and we are Yours. I pray this morning that You would empower these words as we reflect on the scene. As Mary and the other Mary rushed to the grave on the morning of the third day to be near You only to discover that you were no longer there in the grave. We thank you for the good news this morning. Hallelujah. He is risen. He is risen. Lord, we pray that you would rise in our hearts in a powerful way today and stir us towards godliness, that those who we encounter, Lord, might see the living Christ in us and be drawn to him to salvation. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. So this morning I want to look at that scene um, as Matthew recounts it in um, Matthew 28 verses 1 through 8. And the scripture says, Now after the Sabbath, as it began to dawn toward the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary came to look at the grave. And behold, a severe earthquake had occurred. For an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled away the stone, and he sat upon it. And his appearance was like lightning, and his clothing as white as snow. The guards shook for fear of him and became like dead men. The angel said to the women, Do not be afraid, for I know that you are looking for Jesus who had been crucified, he is not here. For he has risen, just as he said. Come, see the place where he was lying. Go quickly and tell his disciples that he is risen from the dead. And behold, he is going ahead of you into Galilee. And there you will see him. Behold, I have told you. And they left the tomb quickly with fear and great joy and ran to report it to his disciples. Imagine for a moment this scene. Try to picture it in your minds. Mary and the other Mary came to look at the grave. They came obviously with great sorrow and yet such passion for Jesus. They wanted to be near him even if it was just to be at the gravesite. They could no longer see him. He was gone. And yet they could not wait to be near him again. They came to look at the grave, but they found so much more. There had been another earthquake. You'll remember in the previous chapter, in Matthew verses 50 through 53, these words, Jesus cried out again with a loud voice on the cross and yielded up his spirit. And behold, the veil of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. And the earth shook, and the rocks were split. 
The tombs were opened, and many bodies of the saints who had fallen asleep were raised. And coming out of the tombs after His resurrection, they entered the holy city and appeared to many. The earth shook when Jesus died. The earth shook again when He was raised from the dead. And it will, sh- shook, it will shake once again when He comes back. And an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled away the stone. And Matthew's account records that the angel then sat upon the stone. What an exhilaration that must have been for that angel to be the one that gets to roll away the stone. I mean, I can almost envision him sitting on that stone, feet swinging, hands, yes! The excitement he must have felt knowing what he's participating in, the fulfillment of God's plan. Almost giddy. I don't think about giddy angels, but um, he's risen just like he said he would. In John 2.19, destroy this temple and in three days I will raise it again. He's probably not a giddy angel, come to think of it. I mean, that's, that's a little much. He was probably more stoic, uh, more imposing, more powerful in appearance. After all, there's soldiers over here off to the side who are frozen in fear. They can't move. They're just standing there shaking. There may be a puddle or two under a couple of these. <laughs> these guys I don't know you know as a producer director I can't help but try to block off this scene in different shots if I had to portray this how would I do it I know there's a a rumor that Mel Gibson is planning a a sequel to the passion of the Christ that would be about the resurrection and I can't wait to see how the folks in the the Jesus film that's the chosen how they will portray that but I thought, okay, we'll we'll open with a medium-wide shot. Uh, We'll see the feet of the women as they hurry along the path, and it comes up to reveal this look on their faces, this passion, but this sadness at the same time as they go to find Jesus at the grave. As they approach the grave, we cut to a wide shot from behind them as they stop suddenly in their tracks and raise their, their hands to block this blinding light that's coming from the grave where the angel's sitting on top of the stone that's rolled away. And as their eyes refocus, they see this heavenly being sitting on the rock. His appearance is as lightning and his clothing is as white as snow. Suddenly the women are aware that they're not alone. And we cut to a medium-wide shot from their side angle as they slowly turn and see these soldiers to their right who are cowering in fear, frozen and shaking. The soldiers are unable to move, but the women notice one of them nervously and slowly moves his eyes towards them from the angel, and they're struck by the depth of the fear they see in their eyes. We cut to a wide shot from behind the angel, looking down on them. He's looking at the soldiers, and then he turns his gaze to the women. We cut to a close-up of the women's faces as they return their eyes upon the angel. His beauty and his magnificence are both breathtaking and terrifying at the same time. We cut to a close-up of the angel's face as he speaks to the women 
Do not be afraid, for I know that you're looking for Jesus who has been crucified. He's not here. He's not here. He is risen, just as He said. We cut to a wide shot behind the women, encompassing the whole scene. As the angel continues, Come, see the place where He was lying. The angel motions for them to enter the empty tomb. We cut to a close-up of the angel as he speaks urgently to the women. Then, go quickly and tell his disciples that he is risen from the dead. And behold, he is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him. Behold, I have told you. Then we cut back to a wide shot from behind the women with the entire scene before them as they turn, grabbing each other's hands, and run away back towards town. As they turn towards the camera, the shot switches to slow motion, and we see both fear and tears of joy beginning to move down their faces as they race past the camera, which pans with them and follows them down the path. We resolve the scene with a slow motion trucking shot as it dollies through the open tomb opening, and it shows an empty tomb with a folded linen neatly laying on the table. Fade to black. <laughs> okay, well, that's the way I see it in my, in my mind's eye. I don't think even today's best uh, special effects could recreate the power of that scene, though. Um, and those poor, arrogant guards... I thought about them. I wonder if these are some of the same guards that several hours earlier were present at the cross, mocking Jesus, casting lots for His clothing. They had a lot to say at the cross as they mocked Him and spat upon Him, cursed Him, and pierced His side and offered Him vinegar to drink when He was thirsty. They don't have anything to say now. They're struck with fear frozen. What's going through their minds now as they've witnessed the risen Lord walking out of the tomb and this heavenly warrior perched above them who's rolled away the stone? He's looking down on them now with quizzical eyes, I think, wondering why the Father did not order their destruction for their participation in the events of the last three days. The grace of God. An incredible scene. You know, it could be observed that this setting is the first Easter sermon ever preached. <laughs> and it's preached by an angel of the Lord who descended from heaven and he came and rolled away the stone and he sat upon it. What these two women heard was good news of such eternal significance and magnitude that the angelic host could not keep silent. They had to participate in proclaiming what was happening. It was literally news that filled the heavens and shook the earth. The first angelic sermon spoken to these women who came to see the grave is really a beautiful summary of the gospel. And it's a call to action for you and I this morning. I want us to look at the scriptures closely and see in our spirits that the, what the angel spoke, that he spoke forth four key action-packed verbs that have in the centuries literally changed the course of human history. 
First, the angel said to them, Come, come. The message of Easter is, first of all, an invitation. (laughs) The angel both lovingly and joyfully challenged the women to come. He did not bid them stay away. He didn't say, stop, stay back. Sinners not allowed. (laughs) This is holy ground. No, he said, come. The soldiers he held in a frozen fear, but the women he bade come. Why? I believe it's consistently the message of God throughout scriptures that he bids us come. Come now, let us reason together says the Lord. Though your sins are as scarlet, they will be as white as snow. Though they are red like crimson, they will be like wool, said Isaiah. Come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest, said Jesus. I am the bread of life. He who comes to me shall not hunger. All the Father gives me shall come to me, and the one who comes to me I will certainly not cast out. And the Spirit and the Bride say, Come, and let the one who is thirsty come. God's message to a lost and dying world has always been, Come unto me, come unto me, seek me, and you will find me when you search for me with your whole heart. How appropriate and consistent this message of the angel of the Lord was to the women. Don't be afraid, come. The Lord speaks the same message to you and I this Easter morning. The angel said, come. Easter is an invitation. Secondly, the angel said, see. (laughs) Come and see. Easter is an invitation, but it's also a revelation. God never calls us to what is often referred to as blind faith. He never asks us to take a blind leap of faith into the darkness. Rather, He bids us to take a leap out of darkness and into His light, the light of His Son. The angel said to the women, come see the place where He was laying. In essence, He was saying, don't take my word for it. Come and see. Investigate for yourselves. Take a closer look. Go into the empty tomb. See the place where you watch Joseph of Arimathea Place his crucified dead body. Investigate for yourselves. You came to see the grave. See that it is empty. The angel wanted them to see what man had always longed to see, but could not see what was on the other side of death. (laughs) You see, it's only because of Christ's resurrection that we can see and know for sure that death is not the end. For the believer in Christ, the grave is not a tomb, it's a tunnel. (laughs) It's a tunnel. Faith in the mercy of Jesus enabled one of the thieves on the cross beside Jesus to tunnel right into eternity, into paradise with Him that very day. Greg has shared this story before from Alistair Begg. I love it. Uh, It so beautifully tells the story of that thief When asked why he should be allowed into heaven, he simply replied, because the man on the middle cross said I could come. (laughs) The man on the middle cross said I could come. The grave for the Christian is not a tomb, but a tunnel into the presence of Christ. 
Tragically, though, most in our world today suffer from a malady that does not enable the so afflicted to come or to see. And that malady is called willful blindness. Through the prophet Jeremiah, God referred to the Jews as foolish and senseless people who have eyes but do not see, who have ears but do not hear. Jeremiah 5.21 The same was true of many of the people during Christ's earthly ministry. He called out the unbelief of the people by quoting the prophecy of Isaiah. You keep on listening, but do not perceive. Keep on looking, but do not understand. Isaiah 6.9 For the heart of this people has become dull. With their ears they scarcely hear and they have closed their eyes. Matthew 13, 14, and 15. The old adage, uh, none are so blind as those who will not see, holds true here. Friends, outside of Jesus Christ and apart from Him, man is living in the blindness and darkness of sin and death, and there's no hope for him. That's why Jesus said to Nicodemus, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God. Here we see the biblical principle that only belief cures blindness. Only belief cures blindness. He who believes in the Son has eternal life, but he who does not obey the Son will not see life, but the wrath of God abides on him, says John 3, 36. As is often the case, human wisdom is the opposite of godly wisdom. Human wisdom says seeing is believing, but godly wisdom says believing is seeing. The Easter message of the angel then was the age-old one from Psalm 66, 5. Come and see the works of God, who is awesome in His deeds toward the sons of men. If we accept that same angelic invitation to investigation, then it will be said of us, as it said in Matthew 13, 16, but blessed are your eyes because they see. The message of Easter is an invitation to come and to see. It's also a charge to go. So thirdly, Easter is a motivation. <laughs> It's an invitation to investigation, and then it's a motivation. Immediately after the women had come and seen the significance of the empty tomb, the angel said, go quickly. Matthew 28, 7. Their coming and seeing was not just to satisfy their own curiosity or to answer their questions and dispel their nagging doubts, <laughs> quench their fears even or relieve their grief. Their coming and seeing, the revelation of the empty tomb was not just for them alone, nor is it for us alone. The good news must be shared with others. Easter then is a, a mandate, an imperative, a command, a great commission. There's an urgency about the Easter message. Go quickly, don't tarry, don't waste time. Go now. He did not tell them to linger and lounge around the empty tomb or take their time in going 
or go when it was convenient. He implored them, go quickly, go quickly. Easter is a message that compels mobility. (laughs) A message that originates from an empty tomb demands activity, not passivity. They were to first of all go quickly and tell His disciples. And then we see in Matthew 28, verses 7 and 19, the disciples were then to go and make disciples of all nations. The Easter message is first of all to Christ's disciples, but it must not stop there. It must be taken into all the world. Christ followers can never settle into the comfort and luxury of just localizing the gospel. Indifference, inactivity, casualness, or apathy are antithetical to the Easter message. Like the women, we must all go, and we must do so quickly. The Scripture implores us to redeem the time. Dr. John T. Siemens served with his wife Ruth as missionaries in India from 1940 until 1960. He then served as professor of Christian missions at Asbury Theological Seminary until 1987. You'll remember recently in the news that Asbury College was a place where God was moving mightily. It's not the first time. Until his death in 2004, he gave his time to teaching and preaching assignments in over 40 countries around the world. Reverend Dr. Siemens used to say this regarding the mission of the church. Some of us must go. Others must let go. Still others must help go. But we all must get going. (laughs) Some of us must go. Some of us must let go. Still others must help go. But we must all get going. Jesus told a parable about the man who commissioned his two sons to go to work in his vineyard. Too many of us in the church today are like the one who said, I will go, sir. But he never went. He didn't go. However, the women in obedience departed quickly from the tomb with great joy, and they ran to report it to his disciples. This was in the spirit of what God said through Isaiah in Isaiah 55, 12, you will go out with joy. Here are, I believe, several questions for us to ponder this morning. Does the message of the empty tomb motivate our lives? Has Easter infused us with an enthusiasm for the good news of salvation in Christ? Has the resurrection rearranged our priorities? Has seeing the empty tomb in your own faith life sent you forth in joy? God calls us to go quickly. But to what end? The angel said, go quickly and tell. Easter is an invitation to investigation and a motivation, but it's also a communication. Come, see, go, tell. The women were first of all to investigate and experience the reality of the empty tomb for themselves. Then they were to immediately go and tell his disciples that he is risen from the dead. 
And an interesting aside note, Mark also records that they were to especially tell Peter in Mark 16, 7. No doubt this was both because he acted as the leader of the disciples, but because he had personally denied Christ just many hours before, promising that he would be true to him even to death. No one needed to hear that Jesus is alive, that he is risen more than Peter. Parenthetically, I will be speaking in a couple of weeks again, and I have a message about Peter. There are three fires at work in his life that we'll discuss, so stay tuned for that. But this wonderful message must not stop with the disciples or with Peter. It was a commission to tell those living in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth. The whole world has to be told that the tomb is empty. The first part of the angelic message was to come and see, and then it was to go and tell. The two are equally important and inseparable. We cannot be silent about an empty tomb. The resurrection of Jesus is a secret that can't be kept. It must be shared with the whole world. You know, there have always been those in the church who say that we're called to live the gospel, not necessarily to speak the gospel. The emphasis that our demonstration is more important than our communication. And certainly we must seek to live out the truth of the gospel in our everyday lives and experiences in a manner that is worthy of our calling. Because it is the manner of our walk that validates the truth of our talk. But you just cannot silently demonstrate the resurrection of Jesus Christ. It's a spiritual truth that must first of all be experienced, and then it must be expressed. By its very nature, the Easter message has to be articulated. How can we keep it silent? It's a combination of our words and our works. The resurrection must be communicated both by our lips and our lifestyle. The message of Easter this morning is the same one that the angel preached to Mary and the other Mary. Easter is an invitation and a revelation for a motivation to communication. Come, see, go, and tell. Let's pray. Father, we thank you this morning for Scripture that tells us these beautiful stories, these powerful occurrences where you have come in the person of your Son, your only begotten Son that you sacrificed for the sins of those who will receive Him as Lord and Savior. We could contemplate right now the pain and suffering, the agony that Jesus encountered on our behalf. And we grieve about that. God, You take sin seriously. You paid a great price for us. But Lord, I thank You that the death of Christ on the cross is not the final message. You secured our salvation through your death on the cross 
for the forgiveness of our sins, and by the power of the resurrection, you raised yourself. God the Father raised you. The Holy Spirit raised you from the grave. Raised you in power. Dunamis, dynamite power. And that same power of the Holy Spirit, that same resurrection power, is available to us as your children, as your believers, your followers, to empower us to live in a way that represents to the world the resurrected Christ. So this morning, anew and afresh, Lord, we ask you to forgive us of our sins and trespasses. Forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. We love you, Lord Jesus. Quicken us anew and afresh to receive that message that we would come to the Scripture, come to the Holy Spirit, come to see. And in seeing and believing, we would be empowered and motivated to go and to tell. Help us, God, to find ways to articulate to the world in which we live and which we have influence to articulate the resurrected Christ, the good news. He is risen. The tomb is empty. He is alive. Thank God I am forgiven and He is alive. Thank you, Jesus. We bless you. We worship you. We anticipate your coming with great passion as the, as the women rush to the tomb just to be near you. Lord, we so long to be near you and to be in your presence. Come quickly, Lord Jesus. Prepare us for that day in Jesus' name. Amen.